welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. How we see life will determine how we live. How we see life will determine how we live. Perspective changes everything. Now, I could be looking at something from a specific vantage point, and I could be able to describe and articulate to you exactly what that object looks like from my perspective, but if I look at it from a complete different vantage point or another perspective, it could look completely different. See, the object hasn't changed at all, but the direction, the vantage point has changed, and that changes everything. It really, really does. And um, one of the examples in the Bible about this is when Jesus was asleep in the boat. The disciples and Jesus were, were in the middle of a boat on the Sea of Galilee. It was a storm. They were freaking out. They thought that they were going to drown. See, they were seeing things from a worldly perspective. But Jesus, he was asleep in the boat, sleeping like a baby, sort of catching up on rest, I guess. Maybe he was exhausted, but he was totally at Peace, exactly the same situation, but the disciples were seeing it from one vantage point, from the vantage point of, of earthliness, I guess, and Jesus was understanding the, the situation from heaven's perspective. How are we looking at things in life? Our situations, the things that happen, our relationships, what's important to us when things go wrong? Do we look at those things from the perspective of the world or from the vantage point perspective of heaven? Because how you see things, your perspective will change everything. Uh, another example in the Bible is when the Israelites are just about to enter into the, the land of promise for them, and Moses sends out 12 spies, two of them, Caleb and Joshua. They saw things from the vantage point of heaven, and uh, Everything was great for them. They understood, but 10 of the spies saw things completely different and it changed the way they saw things. In Numbers 13, verse 33, this is what the 10 spies said. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Check out the phrasing of that. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and then we look the same to them. It doesn't say that the, the Anakites, which were sort of like giants, saw the Israelites and they said, Israelites, you look like grasshoppers to us. And then the Israelites thought, oh no, we look like grasshoppers to them. We don't even know if the, the, the Nephilim, the Anakites actually saw them, but they already saw themselves with a wrong perspective. We thought that we were, we knew that, believed that we were grasshoppers, so we must look like that to them. We don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. Uh, they had a different, they had a wrong perspective of themselves. So are you seeing yourself as a grasshopper in your life and your situations, your challenges as a grasshopper? Or are you seeing your challenges as giants and yourself as a grasshopper? See, the situation may not necessarily change, but how we see the situation changes everything. How we see life will determine how we live. So what's your vision of God? How do you see God today? Because that's going to change your relationship with God. Is he a, a hostile, villainous, angry, distant God? Or is he, in, in your vision, is he a loving father, slow to anger, uh, full of loving kindness? 
Yeah, he does still discipline, but you know that he loves you more than anything in the world. How you see God, your vision of God will completely change the way you live. What about your spouse, your husband or wife? How do you see them? Do you see them? What's your vision of them? Is it like a ball and chain? A few awkward moments now in the lounge churches if you're sitting next to your spouse. Or do you see your husband or your wife as God's gift to you? See, how you see your marriage will completely change how uh, you live out in your marriage. How do you see yourself as a failure, as a reject, as an addict, as someone who's always struggling, depressed, bankrupt, divorcee? Or do you see yourself as someone who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, someone who's been bought with a price, someone who God sees as an incredible masterpiece uh, despite your challenges and struggles? Do you see yourself as a new creation? Do you see yourself as redeemed? How you see yourself will completely change the way you live. Getting to the nitty gritty now, how do you see money? Is it just something that you get so you can buy more stuff? Or is money seed that you can sow into the kingdom of God? You can sow into God's plan A, which is, is the church. See things done of eternal value because you've invested into the right things. How do you see church? Is it something that you just go to because you're a Christian on a Sunday? Is it like the large gathering? People have said, well, can't wait till church starts up again. And thinking, wait a second, church has always been going on. Maybe we're not meeting in the large gatherings, but church is community and we're still absolutely doing that. Do you see church as something is always asking for your money? Do you see church as something that is there to meet your needs um, or to make you happy? Or do you see church as something that is absolutely glorious and beautiful, that it is the bride of Christ? Do you see church as God's plan A, which it is because God says, Jesus said, you and you alone are the light of the world. Do you see church as God's vehicle to see His kingdom advanced on planet earth? Do you see it as glorious? Do you see it as important? See it as beautiful? Do you see it as something you can get involved in and partner with God and seeing His will be done? How we see church will completely change everything. How we see life will determine how we live. Point number two, things can distort our spiritual vision. A story from the Old Testament again. Now, Abraham sleeps with his wife, servant Hagar, it's... I don't know, it's it's pretty dodgy, but we're not going to go into that this morning. Um, Hagar gets incredibly jealous of, um, sorry, um, Abraham's wife gets incredibly jealous of Hagar's Hagar's son, Ishmael, sends them off to die. Now, how how heartbreaking is that? You're with your son and you know that you're going to die, you're going to starve to death um, in the desert. So what Hagar does is she is just weeping before the Lord. She doesn't even want to be close to Ishmael because she doesn't want to bear the grief of seeing her son die of hunger. And this is what happens in Genesis 21 verse 19. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. That was the beginning um, of, of a new life for them. They survived. But the thing was that God didn't make a well magically appear. The well was always there. All God, does, God did was allow Hagar to see that. And I assume that she just couldn't see what was right in front of her because of her grief, because of her stress, because of her anxiety, because of her broken heart. All of these things distort 
life. Sometimes we just can't see the answers because of all of our assumptions and all of our bad experiences. All God did was open her eyes to see the truth. Sin is another big thing that distorts our our spiritual sight. I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Fear, unbelief, strongholds of wrong thinking. Our negative experiences and our assumptions can make us believe something is real that isn't. Our spiritual sight is distorted. Now I realised this week that I haven't talked about Lord of the Rings in a sermon for months. It's about time I did, so I'm going to this morning. Uh, so there is a, a scene in the first movie where Frodo and Gandalf are on a wagon and on, Frodo looks like about four feet tall and Gandalf looks like about seven feet tall and they're sitting side by side on the wagon and we're thinking that must be CGI, but it wasn't. It was absolutely a practical effect. They did that in real life. How did they do that? If you look at the making, the wagon, the cart, wasn't the normal size and shape of a cart. It was elongated. We thought or assumed that Frodo was sitting right next to Gandalf, but he was sitting way further back. Um, everything was, was different, but it tricked us into thinking that Frodo's real tiny and Gandalf was huge because in our upbringing, we think a, a cart is, is so big and we think that people are sitting right next to each other. So we are tricked because of our assumptions and our experiences to think that, wow, Frodo was really little and Gandalf was really huge, but in reality, it wasn't like that at all. It's just a, a practical special effect. Now, in our life, because of our bad experiences, because of our hurts, because of our struggles, that sets us up so that when we experience new things, we see those things through our experiences and we often assume something is not true when it is true. Uh, we can't see reality as it really is. For example, you've been hurt by a whole lot of people and Maybe you come to church and someone doesn't look at you, so you think, oh, they must you know, really hate me when, when they just didn't even notice you. Or someone says something out of the blue and you really think that they aimed that comment at you because of your bad experiences of hurt and they didn't at all. You feel really rejected because someone left you out and they haven't been at all. See, we, we make assumptions and we think they're truth out of our hurt and our bad experience when it's not like that at all. All things distort our spiritual vision and we really need to come to God for the healing and He will heal us. Then when we're faced with those situations again, we have to learn to trust in God and not in all of our baggage and our bad negative experiences. Number three, just because we can't see it with our natural eyes doesn't mean it's not real. Just because we can't see it with our natural eyes doesn't mean it's not real. Real. A few stories from the Old Testament today. So Elisha is a powerful prophet of God and the king of Syria absolutely hates Elisha, wants to kill him. So he sends a whole lot of his armies to go around and surround Elisha. And we pick up the story here in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God, Elisha, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, Don't be afraid of those who are, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So Elisha understood that there was a realm just as real, probably more real than the realm, he, the physical realm that he could see. And he knew that the angels of God were on their side. Verse 17. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, Please open his eyes that he may see. 
So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The truth was there, there was a physical army there, but the armies of heaven were so much more bigger than the ones that the servant could see. We don't even know if Elisha could see them or not, but he knew that they were there because he had this history with God and he understood the spiritual realm. Now, the spiritual realm is so real and we, we need to remember that. Now, the church always goes to extremes. I remember back in the 80s and 90s, it's almost like demons were everywhere. If you had a flat tire, it was a demon. You know, if you had a, had a cold, there was a demon up your nose or something. It's like everything was demons. And I think we needed to um, be less crazy than that. But nowadays, it's almost like we don't ever consider the spiritual realm anymore, but it is real. And uh, we're talking about this the other night with our connect group. Sometimes you just, everything goes wrong in the day and you just feel an oppression over your life and you just don't know why. Quite often that's a, a mission from the enemy, a demonic thing that's happening in your life. And you don't have to be terrified about that. You just have to realize that prayer is powerful. And in the name of Jesus, things change. Demons have to flee. It pays to remember those things, you know, like the, the extremes. Let's not be too far over here that we don't even consider the spiritual realm anymore. Let's have a healthy balance with that. So in conclusion, Satan blinds and Jesus gives sight. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 to 4, it says, And even if our gospel is veiled, that's the good news that Jesus saves, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, the little G, that's, that's the devil, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan hates us. He wants to rob from us. He wants to kill our destiny. Um, he wants to make us sick. He wants to blind our eyes so that we cannot see the truth. And I think based on that, when we're praying for our our friends and family that haven't had this revelation that Jesus saves, maybe it's a good thing to start praying that Jesus will heal their spiritual blindness. So Satan blinds, a lot of the time he does that through sin. Sin has a separating effect. So when we continually sin, it will distort our sight. We won't see things the way God wants us to see them. But the good news is Luke 4 verse 18. I love this verse. And this is what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight of the blind. Jesus came to make the blind see. It absolutely um, includes physical blindness, but totally includes spiritual blindness. Jesus wants to heal our spiritual blindness. He wants to give us spiritual sight that is clear so that we can see from the vantage point of heaven and see things the way they really are. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus is the sight giver and He wants to give you sight. So just to finish up this series, just want to read four verses I'm not going to unpack them really. I'm just going to, to lay them out there because uh, the Word of God is powerful and it is active. And I'm just going to let the, the power of the, of the truth of these, these verses permeate. Then I'm going to pray for us all. Psalm 119 verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. It's something that we can pray regularly. 
Mark 8, verse 25, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, the blind guy, and he opened his eyes and sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out. He will show you, you'll see it. He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And Ephesians 1, 18 to 19, we uh, did a message on this a few weeks back. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.